0: Chapter Eleven of Pollyanna's Jewels This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by T. R. Love of Pleasant Hill, California. Pollyanna's Jewels by Harriet Loomis Smith. Chapter Eleven Enlightenment. The strained situation in the Pendleton household was somewhat relieved when Aunt Polly rediscovered an old school friend in the person of a well-to-do widow living in Boston. The renewal of their intimacy was a pleasure to Pollyanna and her family, to Aunt Polly herself, and lastly but not least to the widow in question, Matilda Aldrich. Mrs. Aldrich was an inoffensive person who all her life had been under somebody's thumb. Her strong-willed mother had dominated her so completely that her personality had never gone beyond the dependent stage. Matilda's mother told her when to wear her rubbers, and when to go to bed, and when to put on her winter underwear. And when at length a suitor presented himself, entirely satisfactory from the maternal standpoint, she told Matilda it was time she was getting married. Matilda obligingly did it, just as she went upstairs to bed in the middle of a chapter if her mother said it was bedtime. The lamented Mr. Aldrich had continued the process of domination his mother-in-law had so effectively inaugurated. He regulated his wife's dress, chose her friends, selected her books, and instructed her in the opinions he considered it suitable for her to hold and when he died two years before the renewal of her friendship with mrs chilton matilda had felt very much like a shadow detached from its substance she had been ruled with an iron hand so long that she missed it unspeakably like a bird so accustomed to captivity that the only use it makes of his freedom is to seek another cage, the frightened, irresolute woman shrank from the necessity of deciding for herself and longed for a dictator. On the occasion of their first meeting, the two old friends were irresistibly attracted to each other. Each possessed the quality necessary for the other's happiness. The submissiveness of Matilda was as honey to Aunt Polly's tongue, and the autocratic instincts of Aunt Polly seemed a heavenly refuge to poor, bewildered Matilda. She could not see too much of her former schoolmate. When Aunt Polly went to town to take luncheon in Mrs. Aldrich's beautifully appointed apartment, she was quite likely to telephone that Matilda had tickets for the opera and that she had persuaded her to spend the night. And on such occasions, Pollyanna was regretfully conscious of a sensation of buoyancy as if some crushing weight had been lifted. It was on one of the occasions when Aunt Polly had telephoned not to expect her till morning that Pollyanna decided it was an opportune time for returning Mrs. Richard's call. She was growing more and more reluctant to go out with Jimmy in the evening, leaving the children in charge of Aunt Polly for on the few occasions she had tried it a story of dire calamity had awaited her on her return either junior and judy had indulged in a pillow fight and broken a vase or the baby had had colic or Jiggs had chewed something at dinner she broached the subject to jimmy and while jimmy was no more enthusiastic about social calls than the average husband He, too, was in a light-hearted mood and ready to fall in with any suggestion. Nancy smilingly promised to keep an eye on the children, adding that they were lambs and never a mite of trouble. Junior and Judy, while regretting their parents' projected departure, pledged themselves to be good as gold and looked so cherubic as they said it that Pollyanna almost feared for them the proverbial fate of precocious virtue. It is not possible for the parents of real flesh-and-blood children to cherish such apprehensions long. That evening, Junior halted in the midst of his prayers to say, Mother, I'm not going to ask God to bless Aunt Polly. Junior! The unqualified horror in his mother's tone caused the boy to squirm uneasily. Listen, Mother, he protested. You see, if God wants to bless Aunt Polly, he can do it, but he needn't do it just to please me. It was considerably after eight when Jimmy and Pollyanna reached the Richards' pretty home, and in place of the formidable Mary, Mr. Richards himself opened the door. Before Pollyanna could introduce herself, Inez dashed through the hall and flung herself upon the collars with an abandon literally staggering. "'Hello, Mrs. Pendleton,' she screamed. "'Hello, Mr. Pendleton. Did you come to see me? "'Why didn't you bring Junior and Judy?' "'Pollyanna laughed, partly at Inez's exuberance "'and partly at her father's expression of surprise "'at these indications of intimacy. "'Junior and Judy are in bed, dear,' she explained, "'and the baby has been asleep for two hours. "'We've really come to see your father and mother.' although Inez immediately rushed upstairs, shouting, Mother, Mrs. Pendleton's here, and Mr. Pendleton, too. It was more than half an hour before Mrs. Richards appeared. As she murmured an apology for her tardiness, Pollyanna noticed her weary air and said contritely, Perhaps I should have asked if you were too tired to see us. Some days are so hard that by eight o'clock one hasn't much vitality left. I'm very glad indeed to see you, mrs Richards replied in a voice so languid as partly to contradict the cordiality of her words. But it has been a hard day. When I got home tonight, instead of finding Mary here and dinner almost ready, there was a note from her saying that an aunt of hers had just died. She had her day off Thursday, as usual, and now again tonight? Pollyanna said nothing though she wondered if Mrs. Richards expected sympathy on the lack of consideration shown by the lower classes in not invariably dying on a Thursday. In the same injured accents, Mrs. Richards continued, When I got here at half past five, I had dinner to prepare, so it's no wonder I'm worn out. It seemed to Pollyanna that if Mrs. Richards was exhausted by the labor of preparing a dinner for a family of three, either the meal must have been unnecessarily elaborate, or else she was very near the point of collapse when she began. She suggested sympathetically, perhaps you had a hard day in town. Yes, sighed Mrs. Richards, very hard. Well, after all, you're glad of that, aren't you? That means that business is good, of course. Mrs. Richards glanced in her husband's direction, and seeing that he seemed absorbed in conversation with Jimmy, answered in a confidential undertone, We haven't had much trade since Christmas, but we're having a perfectly awful time getting our accounts straightened out. I'm afraid we'll have to hire a bookkeeper. My partner and I thought we could do that ourselves and save expense. Probably it will be easier after a while, Pollyanna encouraged her. I used to make such hard work of keeping my household accounts. For the last two or three days, I've worked hours and hours over the books, continued Mrs. Richards, trying to make the dreadful things balance, and then I come home with a headache and have to get dinner. Oh, dear. All at once, her voice lost its confidential tone and became strident and penetrating the solution of our problem is to get rid of this house and go to boarding. It was apparent to Pollyanna that now she wished her husband to hear, and whatever Mr. Richards had been talking about, he promptly dropped the subject and took up the gauntlet. You see, he said, addressing Pollyanna, my wife never tried boarding. I have, and I know what it's like. "'It's easy to understand the man's point of view,' commented Mrs. Richards, with caustic inflection. "'All he thinks about is his comfort. "'It doesn't occur to him that his wife pays for the luxury he enjoys.' "'I don't want luxury,' objected Mr. Richards, reddening angrily. "'I'm a man of simple tastes, but I do object to being cooped up in one or two rooms in a boarding-house.' "'Don't you think,' began Pollyanna, addressing Mrs. Richards in her most conciliatory air, that a boarding house is rather a difficult place for children. There are so many people about that they have to be repressed most of the time, and it must be very difficult to discipline them properly. It was so apparent that this was a familiar contention between the husband and wife that she had an uncomfortable sense of taking sides and was quite relieved to have Mrs. Richards promptly agree with her. "'Yes, indeed, a boarding house is impossible for children. "'I should send Inez to boarding school, "'and then, for the summer, there are camps "'where the girls learn all sorts of things "'and have the best time in the world.' "'But you don't mean, of course, "'you wouldn't send Inez to boarding school "'for a long time yet. "'Why not? "'She's so little.' "'There are plenty of schools,' returned Mrs. Richards, "'where they take girls as young as Inez.' As the zeal of the propagandist mastered her weariness, her air became animated. I, for one, believe that the earlier such training begins, the better. You see, this is an age of specialists, Mrs. Pendleton, and few mothers are specialists. They're specially interested in their own children, anyway, Pollyanna remarked. And that's something. Very little. What children need is not sentiment, but scientific training— and it cannot start too early. I believe it has been proved, Pollyanna said, that the death rate among the little babies in institutions, where they have the most scientific care, but no cuddling and petting, is much higher than it is even in poor homes, where there is little science, but considerable sentiment. Babies need love if they are to thrive, and I believe the older children need it just as much. I'd rather take my chance with a loving mother, even if she wasn't very wise, than with a trained nurse who had no feeling for a child beyond professional interest. Mrs. Richards smiled in the superior fashion Pollyanna found vaguely irritating. Women have always liked to make themselves believe that motherhood brought a certain wisdom along with it. Motherhood doesn't, but love does. It's the greatest teacher of all. If it is, I haven't discovered it. I'm more inclined to accept the old saying that love is blind. And then, Mrs. Pendleton, continued Pollyanna's hostess, becoming more vivacious as the discussion warmed, you are working on the old-fashioned theory that it is the mother's business to make the home the center of the child's world and to make the child a satisfactory member of the family. Old-fashioned cried Pollyanna. "'growing vehement in her astonishment. "'My goodness! Is there a newer fashion than that?' "'Certainly. We modernists take a broader view. "'We try to train our children to be useful members of society. "'Emphasizing the home idea tends to narrowness and selfishness. "'We are trying to replace it by a social ideal.' "'It sounded well, but Pollyanna was suspicious.' "'I should think that, in the right sort of home, "'children would get the very sort of training "'to make them useful in society later. "'If they are trained at home to be industrious "'and honest and sympathetic and helpful and all the rest, "'they're sure to be useful members of society, aren't they?' "'Not at all,' said Mrs. Richards pleasantly, "'because, you see, their viewpoint is all wrong. "'A child that grows up feeling that the home is everything,' "'and the outside world, nothing. "'Do you really think there is much danger of that nowadays?' "'cried Pollyanna, interrupting her hostess in her excitement. "'Why, I think the modern mother does well "'if she can make the home hold its own "'against all the outside attractions.' "'Hear, hear,' applauded Mr. Richards. "'Pollyanna jumped. "'She became aware that she was speaking with as much vehemence "'as if she were addressing a public meeting.' and the two men had suspended conversation and were giving their entire attention to the impromptu debate. She saw that Jimmy wore a complacent, all but smug expression, which meant that he was entirely satisfied with the way she was upholding her side of the argument, while Mr. Richards was looking at her with marked approval. Mrs. Richards was as observing as she, and although she smiled, there was more than a suggestion of asperity in her voice, as she said, "'Oh, you homebodies, as you like to call yourselves, certainly know on which side your bread is buttered. You know how to make yourself popular with the other sex.'" It seemed to Pollyanna a good time to drop the discussion, but she could not help thinking it a pity that a woman as advanced as Mrs. Richards believed herself should not have got beyond the point of suspecting all who differed with her of mercenary motives. And, while Mrs. Richards dangled a number of controversial baits before her, during the next twenty minutes, Pollyanna disregarded them all, and confined her remarks to topics on which there could not possibly be a difference of opinion. And she wondered if Mrs. Richards would consider it an interference with her plans for implanting the social ideal in Inez, if she knew the little girl was seeking in the home of a neighbor the happiness she missed in her own. End of chapter 11.